Today I want to talk to you about uh, the challenges the church faces in a post-lockdown world and the way through it. You must know in this time, I must know where God wants us to be, what God wants us to do. And so as we are living in this time, in this world, as we are seeing and hearing things happening around us, you know, beginning with the world. Wars. <clears throat> we are aware of it. Nations today have the capability, not just of fighting wars, but of annihilating millions of people and wiping out entire nations. Climate change. Today, the world has the probably the most number of dictators ruling nations than has been since the Second World War. The rise of fascism and communism. More and more climatic conditions that will cause an increase in famines and, and earthquakes. Even hurricanes. And as you hear me say that, you probably are thinking, well, it doesn't affect me. Hear me loud and clear, church. It's a matter of time. It's going to come to your doorstep. In our own nation, we're living in a time of increasing loss of righteousness and governance. May God protect you and me from being in a place where we are in need of righteousness from the police or righteousness from the judiciary because rarely people get it today. There is an increasingly polarized population in our nation fed with lies and half-truths. You know, there was this innocent, as I grew up in the 80s, there was this big, innocent middle class. They were only concerned about their roti, kapra, makan, take care of their children. Today, that entire middle class, the lower, the mid, and the higher middle class have been polarized. We're therefore seeing an increase in religious fundamentalism and communal violence. Just last week, I came to know of a pastor who was almost beaten to death in Sakinaka. And as the divide widens between the have and the have-nots, you know, beloved, it is so important for us to have a biblical worldview. Your theology determines not only your doxology, that is how you praise God, but even how you live. I can't be Christian on Sunday morning or look Christian, but live worldly six days a week. No. I'm a disciple of Jesus here in Verso Welfare. I'm a disciple of Jesus when I walk out. And that I seek to know Jesus Become like Jesus and make him known every day. That should be our pursuit. As imperfect we are, but God is with us. God is in us and God is through us wanting to fulfill his purpose. You know what I like about Brother Marimutu? He looks a very unusing man. I don't lift up and exalt people. He's a very unusing man who came over here. But I've been observing him over the last two years. I met him the first time, I think about four or five years back, brother. 
in a meeting of MTN. And unassuming people don't uh, impress you on their first time, right? You know, we get tricked by people who show charisma. Don't get fooled by people who look great, who do great things. That takes time. You know what God is doing through this man and, and the YWAM team here has captured the hearts of many of us in the leadership. And you know why? Because they, they, you see, we need to know what is happening in the world around us, but even more, how does Jesus want us to live in this time? Where is Jesus today in Mumbai? What is Jesus doing in Mumbai? And if I can join in with Jesus, then I will have firstly the joy of the nearness of his presence. And I will also have the joy of seeing him work in me, through me and with me. So here is the, where is the world? Here is the nation. And, and then of course, we have our own personal battles with sin. I have my own struggles. I have to fight sin. I have to fight discouragement. I have to fight distractions. And then we have corporate challenges, like post-lockdown. Service is not starting on time. The wires are not working. Gaston is sweating. The media team comes and tells me the YouTube link is not coming on. So post-lockdown challenges. But there are some serious, even more serious challenges. For example, replacing commitment with convenience. Whatever I could not do in those two years, I've gone ballistic now. I want to do it. I want to visit every mall shop till I drop. Eat everything I can. I'm frustrated that two years I couldn't do it. So now I want to average it out in two months. So if I'm not comfortable or if it's not convenient, I won't participate. That posture will not help us experience the nearness of Jesus. Now understand this. I got my theology right. Jesus is everywhere. He's omnipresent. But, but people don't experience the nearness of his presence if they are not in the right posture of their hearts. So replacing commitment with convenience. Another challenge for the church Replacing authentic community with independence. It's always been a challenge. The challenge has gone to another level now. So I'll participate in the Sunday service from home. Even if I could come, but Jesus is also at home, no? And we've forgotten that Jesus, when he comes back, he's not coming back for me. He's coming back for us. He's not coming back for me. He's coming back for his church. The Christian life is not a solo life. The Christian faith is a corporate faith. It's a body. It's a church. It's a temple on an individual, but a temple made up of living stones. How can I fulfill the 50 to 60 one another's commandments in the New Testament? Love one another, serve one another, bear with one another. Not bear means tolerate, bear means uphold. Forgive one another. How do we fulfill those commandments? I'm going to be sitting on my couch at home. 
and clicking onto your YouTube link, knowing that I had a choice and I could come on a Sunday morning, knowing that I can be part of live groups, knowing that I can be part and go and meet people where they are in their homes. But I choose to, I choose independence rather than community. You know, beloved, I, we need one another. And we need to be humble to accept that. We need one another. I need you. And whether you like it or not, you need me. We need one another. And I'm not just, I, I, I'm not superficial enough to, to reduce commitment to just our gathering here on one or 15 minutes. I know there's six days a week. Build relationships, build authentic, deep relationships. Weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Build relationships. Step out of your house, share your food, share your home. They will know that you are Christians by your love for one another. The third challenge for the church is replacing purpose with futility. The same old challenge and the test of me, myself, my career, my next increment, my next promotion, my next bigger house, my next target. And I'll give the leftovers if there are any to God. And if only we had heard wild, oh, oh, wise old Solomon, wild and wise old Solomon. Vanity. And so Christians are in the danger of being deceived to pursue selfishness and worldliness. And then we come into the church that way. And we look at the church and we say, hey, church. You're here for me, huh? You exist to meet my needs and to fulfill my agenda. And if you don't meet my need, you know what I can do, right? I'll hop onto another church. A consumerism mindset. Rather than the church being a place of an altar of worship where we come down and and give God worship because he's worthy. A place of sacrifice where we offer up our lives as a living sacrifice unto God. Because we know that he's worthy. That we who live no longer live for ourselves. But we live for him who died and gave himself for us. And we come together as a church to say. He's worthy. He's made us worthy. The lamb of God who shed his blood for us. And we come together. In a place, an altar, we say, let's worship the Lord. We break bread together. We remember his broken body. We remember his shed blood. And so beware, church, of these, of these challenges that we're facing. But that's not my message to you to scare you, right? Here's the important thing. What does the Lord expect of us? What's the Lord expect of us? You see, as growing up as a young boy in the faith, I would always, oh, I'm not, I'm supposed to stand in one place. I'm sorry. <laughs> growing up as a young boy, I had friends who claimed to follow Jesus, who 
you know, some of them had, I know, genuine encounters with the Lord. And, and uh, when the Lord saved me, in my imperfection, with all the stupid, foolish things I would do as a young man, but my heart was captivated to say, Jesus, I want to be where you are. Jesus, I want to be doing what you're doing. And whatever I'm doing, if it's my studies, if it's my work, I want you to be involved in that. Does that make sense? So Jesus, I want you to be part of everything in my life. And I knew this, that when Jesus is, is involved in something, then he becomes the boss, not me. So I want, you know, I, I remember one line, all right? This was somewhere in 97, just about 200 meters from this hall when we used to meet in Dalji Jimko, Sunday morning service. And I had a pastor say this, you know, I can't remember the whole message, but I remember this one line. The church had just started. We were all very excited. I was a young man on the verge of finishing my graduation. Uh, career in front of me, pressure at home. And this pastor said this. He said, the best place to be is to be in the center of the will of God. I said, yes. I said, yes. Because I began to see my friends make professions of faith but choices were opposite to their profession. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I say? So I said, no, I want to make decisions. Even if I fail in those decisions, I make mistakes in those decisions. I want to make decisions that will keep me close to Jesus. If I fall and rise, let me fall in him, for him, with him. But I don't want to be away from him. And here's the joy. You see, here's the exciting thing. You see, Jesus doesn't stand afar. You see, that's the gospel. That's the good news. That he has come to us. So Jesus wants to come to me. He wants to come to you. And he wants to help you get to the place where he is at work. See, right now in this city, God is at work. Right now, as we're sitting in this hall, God is doing something in Mumbai. God is doing something in his nation. There is a place where the kingdom of God is pushing back the kingdom of darkness. There is a place where the light is penetrating the darkness. You want to be in that place? That's the place I want to be. I don't want to be on a path of selfish ambition and futility that will take me nowhere. That's where we will experience the nearness of his presence. It can be a place of trials and testing. See, that's coming anyways. That's coming whether you follow Jesus or you don't follow Jesus. You don't follow Jesus is worse. So if anybody thinks that, hey, I, I won't follow the Lord because, you know, there's too much of suffering there. You don't know what you're asking for. What is better, suffering in hope or suffering without hope? Suffering in hope. God says that all things work for the good to those who love him. You're called according to your purpose. There is no suffering that you and I go through that's, of, that's in vain in the Lord. So being where Jesus wants us to be 
We will experience the nearness of his presence. We see his power at work. We will see his promises being fulfilled. So you, you may say, Shannon, uh, doesn't God want me to prosper? Because, you know, if you've heard me over the years, you keep seeing that, I keep hitting that, right? Selfish ambition, pursuing money, love of money, because it's the greatest competitor for your heart. Not that it's worthy to be a competitor, but we give it worth. No. We're supposed to provide for our household. We're supposed to take care of responsibilities. If you're blessed financially, you give and you share. My whole thing is, who do you pursue first? What captivates your heart? Why do you go to work? Why do you do what you do? A friend was recently telling me about a girl who came up to him and said, I want to be a pilot. I said, very good. And he asked her, why do you want to be a pilot? It's a recent conversation. So why do you want to be a pilot? She didn't have an answer. She had a Christian, but she said, I want to be a pilot because I like being a pilot. I like flying. He says, you know why you should be a pilot? So that people can know Jesus there. You may say, Shannon, that's such a narrow statement. That's absolutely the right statement. And he grants me the desires of my heart when I, when I pursue that. Oh, you can't, wait, there's nothing wrong with enjoying flying. And nothing wrong with being blessed and being prosperous. But what drives you to do what you do? Because when that drives you, then it all looks different. The hard attitude, the posture, the vocabulary, your whole disposition is different. You say, I'm in this because I want to see God glorified. I'm not in this because I just want to make money, 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 money. No. Because in an atomic second that you and I cannot predict, you don't know when you're stepping into eternity. And if I invested all my life and my energy and my time and my giftings into vanity, what do I have when I stand before God? And so we got to be careful, beloved, that we don't pursue selfish ambition and put in a verse, taken out of context, God grants me the desires of my heart. And we magnify and exalt my heart above the will of God in our lives. You forgot what the first part of the word says. It says, delight yourselves in the Lord. Those who delight in the Lord, they delight to do his will. You know, that delighting is a life-changing, heart-changing delighting. Your entire delighting is changed. Your desires get transformed. Have you heard people say, Are, before, you know what, I used to run after these things. Those things were a big deal for me. Now it doesn't matter, yeah. Now I want to do what God wants me to do. Have you heard people say that after they meet Jesus? You know, I used to be crazy. I used to be crazy about those branded clothes. I used to be crazy about that. I used to be crazy about that. Now those things don't matter to me. Rightfully. Because now you begin to look at things from an eternal perspective. You look at, does this please Jesus? Will Jesus approve of this? Will he be involved in this? Will he endorse this? What I'm doing? How I'm doing? 
Will Jesus be endorsing this? Will he be involved in it? Those are important questions. Simple questions, but they're important questions. One thing that I'm understanding more and more, beloved, you cannot outgrow the quality of your every day. I'll say it again. You and I cannot outgrow the quality of our every day. How you use your day will determine the quality in some of your life. If we are wasting days, we waste life and it's irreplaceable. So, the, so Jesus is wanting to meet you where you are. You may say, Shan, you know, maybe this morning you're saying, Shan, you know, two years of lockdown have taken a toll on me. I'm kind of, I feel so disconnected from God or whatever. You know, just allow the things of this life, your discouragement, you've been through a bad time, you've, you've suffered losses of various kinds. And you say, Shannon, I believe in the Lord, but I feel far from him. I feel distant from him. Here's the amazing thing. If you're in a place like the road of Emmaus, he will come and meet you there. Discouragement is not an issue. What you're pursuing is the issue. And Jesus wants to meet you there and he wants to bring you to where he is. God wants to do something amazing in your family, but you're caught up on something else. God wants to do something amazing with your life, with you in your workplace. He wants to do something amazing in your workplace because that's where you are eight to nine hours every day. You think God doesn't want to do something amazing in your life and through your life in your workplace? Of course, he wants to do something amazing. And what's the most amazing thing? He wants people over there to know him. And yes, the increments may come and promotions will come. You may even lose your job. Don't worry, you'll get another one. The righteous will never go to bed hungry. If things go bad, but what is important is I want to be where Jesus is. I want to give you three things as I want to sum up this. I want to give you three things for you to take home with you and to say, I want to be where Jesus is. I want to be where Jesus is. I want to say this to you, brothers and sisters. I want to be where Jesus is. If Jesus tells me, Shannon, leave, give up, give up being a pastor, give up being Utsav, go somewhere else, I'll do it. I'll do it because I want to be where he wants me to be because that's where I'll experience the nearness of his presence. That's where I'll experience his power in full flow. I want to encourage you to be where Jesus wants you to be. The first thing I want to say this to you, because this is going to be, this is being put to the test. It's full blast being put to the test. Number one, be faithful to the Lord. Be faithful to Jesus and the gospel. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, was 11 to 13. This is what the Apostle Paul says. How many, of, how, many of, how many of us struggle being completely faithful to Jesus? I struggle. 
I struggle with things in my heart that I know should not be there. You know, sometimes as friends, I, I remind my close friend, I say, it's not the rocks on the, it's not the boulders on the way that obstruct our path. It's the pebbles in the shoe. Those wrong desires, those sinful desires, those, those distractions that we harbor in our hearts are the pebbles in our shoe. But if your feet are solid and there's no pebble in your shoe, you can climb any mountain. And so it's being faithful to Jesus in our heart, being faithful. Let this be our cry to the Lord every day. Lord, I want to be faithful to you. I want to be faithful to my spouse. I want to be faithful to my child. I want to be faithful to the gospel. I want to be faithful to your calling. I want to be a faithful man. I want to be a faithful woman, God. If people don't know me on earth, if people didn't applaud me on earth, it doesn't matter. If I only hear on that day, Shannon, my son, you're my good and faithful son. Son, you did so well. I want to hear that. I want you to hear that on that day. Be faithful to Jesus. Paul writes, the statement is trustworthy. Which statement? For if we died with him, that means we identified with his death. Following Jesus requires dying every day. What do you mean to die every day? It's simple. Learning to say no to Shannon. Learning to say no to self. And saying yes to Jesus requires dying. So if we die with him, you know, there are dreams that die. There are desires that need to die. And when we die with him, look at what it says. We will also live with him. If we endure, persevere, patiently, not give up, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, and, that, and that's talking about a finality of de denial. He will also deny us. If we are faithless, now this is my hope. You see, this is where God is merciful. This is my hope, where I, I hope, and you and I can hope in his mercy. It says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. <laughs> Amen. So if, for he cannot deny himself. So if Shannon goes astray, if Shannon gets distracted, what is Shannon's hope? The Lord will bring me back. So what I am encouraging you this morning, beloved, is to be honest about where you are so that Jesus can help you to come to where he wants you to be. Be faithful. Number two. Be missional. What is God doing right now on the earth? What is God doing, beloved? What, what is God doing right now? What is the foremost thing? There are so many things that God is doing. Innumerable things. It would be interesting that if we, each one is given a sheet of paper and we just write down what are the things that God is doing. It would be interesting to see what we all write. It will be amazing. There's so much we can thank God for. 
But if you put it all together, what is the Lord doing right now? What is Abba Father doing right now? What is the Holy Spirit doing right now? What is Jesus doing right now? He's calling unto himself a people from every nation, tribe, people, language. Jesus is saving souls. And I want to encourage all of us, beloved, to give prayer priority. It doesn't matter which day, uh, which time of the day. Maybe you say, Shannon, I have a real hectic work life. You know, one of the things that I do with brothers nowadays, I ask them, those who are close to me, I won't do it to everyone over here, don't worry. Say, hey, are you praying? Oh, Shannon, it was tough. Say, can you take 15 minutes in the morning? 15 minutes in the morning. Can you just be with the Lord alone? And 15 minutes, your lunchtime. When I was to work in KPMG, sometimes it was hard. So what did you do? Quickly finish my lunch and go at the back of Kamala Mills. And just be with the Lord 15 minutes. And I said, night, can you take 15 minutes? And so 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes. Come on, good arithmetic. 45 minutes with the Lord. And read a little bit of the Bible. And I would carry my Bible in the train. That's the reason my Bible for spirit filling is completely in tatters because I used to take it with me in the local train. So you can imagine what it went through. But I would take it and read it. You know what? You know what that shows? You know what that shows? And I'm not talking about it. It shows hunger. When you've not eaten your breakfast in the morning and, you're, and your parent or your spouse packs your tiffing and you're eating while driving or you're eating in the train, what's that shows? Your hunger. Nobody will make fun of that. Nobody thinks that's absurd. We eat, right? This morning, I, I, you know, I was in a rush. I couldn't get my, get my sandwich. I requested the lady in the house. I said, uh, you know, one who takes care of mom, I said, can you just pack me a sandwich and just put something? And I ate it while coming on the way because I knew I'd be hungry. I don't want acidity. I don't want to preach you an acidic message because I knew it's already acid. You know? And so, and, and so why? Because I knew I'd get hungry. And so why would we do that? Why would I cut short my, my lunch time? And, and do these things, you know, one of the things that Farhan and me would do is we would, uh, we would go outstation once in a few months to just be with the Lord alone. Do that. You know, you take time for holidays. Very good. You should. I'm not being sarcastic. You should. At least twice a year. Go with your family. But thrice a year, go alone to be with the Lord. Book St. Mary's Kandala. Go to Dhyan Ashram. Take a friend along who will not sit and chat with you, but will pray with you. Go be with the Lord alone. I mean it, guys. Because it shows that God is first in your life. That you're hungry for him. That you're thirsty for him. What did Jesus say over here? But as for you, when you pray, go into your inner room. Close your door. And pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know, I believe that we're coming, we're living in the end times. If you don't believe that, God help you. Jesus rebuked the Israelites and the Jews and the Pharisees. You, can, you know how to read the weather. You're not able to understand the signs. And you did not recognize the sign of your visitation. Because you were so, I don't know what's happening. I'm just so self-absorbed. And Jesus said, you don't see the signs. And we, 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 we're nearer to his coming. You know, the Lord can come anytime. 
And one of the parables in coming to me is the parable of the 10 virgins. How many were there? Quickly. Do you remember the parable of the 10 virgins? Come on, answer. Don't worry. How many were there? Bola, bola. 10 virgins. All of them had what? No. <laughs> how many of them had good amount of? How many of them had? What did they have? Did they have oil? No, they had, but very little. Huh? Survival. Survival oil. But the other five were wise. The Bible says they're wise. So they made sure that they had enough of stock of oil. Probably even carried extra ones. They're wise. And the bridegroom apparently delayed. Apparently. Lord is never late. He's always on time. And what happened to all 10 of them? It's crazy. All 10 of them. What did they do? When he delayed? Oh, I'm sorry. Virgins don't snow. I'm sorry, ladies. And then the bridegroom came. And they all rushed. And then the five who were not wise realized what they don't have? Oil. What does it speak of? Yeah. But what does oil speak of? Being full of the Holy Spirit. And where do we experience that infilling of the Holy Spirit when we are with the Lord? Alone. When you pray to your father in secret, he will reward. The greatest reward is when God gives you of himself. He pours his presence on you. And the other wise are full. They slept off, but they got up. And they ran and they had their lamps full of oil. Beloved, don't take prayer lightly. And I, my concern is we're living in a time where I have heard preachers mock spiritual discipline. If you have an understanding of grace that exempts you from the things of God, I beg to differ. That's a wrong understanding of grace. Grace is not exemption. Grace is empowering. It is God's mercy that saved me, not for my responsibilities, but from the wrath that is to come, from the judgment that is to come. That's what I'm exempted for. That's what I'm saved from. But I'm not saved from doing what I'm supposed to do. Grace empowers me. Grace is Abba Father coming behind Shannon putting his arms around Shani, he says, son, you can do this. I will help you. Now, by way of that parable, how many were left behind? How many were there? Sorry. How many were left? What is the percentage? Is that scary? So I know it's a sober message I've shared. Sobering, a warning, a cautioning. Maybe even a correcting. But I'm encouraging you, beloved, to be where Jesus wants us to be. And I know it's not easy. I know at times it's hard. But Jesus will help you. 
that's that's the gospel right he comes to where you are and he will take you to where he is you see lord i'm not i, I you know i'm so discouraged i'm so tired or i'm distracted or i'm struggling with something that's not right lord would you help me of course he will help you but what i'm cautioning is don't intentionally carry a divided heart don't carry and live your life with selfish ambition let the lord be your ambition let his kingdom be your ambition and in everything that you do your work your roles and responsibility as husbands wives parents grandparents in your workplace ask the lord to help you see him glorified do good job do good job don't do it to please your leaders do good job god will bless you even if they don't recognize it and then god will give you opportunities to be a witness to tell others about him amen be faithful can you tell that to somebody the three things first hear me <laughs> first be faithful faithful to whom to the lord to be faithful to jesus i know how many times in these two years i've said lord help me to be faithful to you lord help me to be faithful to my farah help me to be faithful to anaya help me to be faithful to utsav i've prayed to be faithful to you be faithful to the ministry lord i want to be faithful god i know i may not be famous but i want to be faithful number 2 i want to be you want to be missional man and woman on a mission hallelujah <laughs> you know i i i've been getting encouraged when i see the change in some of our people in our church now maybe all of you have changed okay so that's good but you know i was one day sitting uh, standing with a brother and i i just want to share this and i want to see how people have changed for good you know god's working people and we were just having a snack outside the hospital when mum was hospitalized and uh, we we were just there was this guy next to us who also ordered from where we ordered on the hawker outside and and he just started talking to him struck a conversation struck a friendship and within 5 to 7 minutes the gospel has started i'm like wow man i mean i couldn't do that i couldn't do that in fact it was getting so extended i said you know what i need to go to mom but you guys continue i need to go to see mom but you know what this is so encouraging for me every opportunity is being taken because we don't know when we're going to meet that person next we don't know out of they say it's, it takes on an average of seven people to tell somebody to it takes a person seven communication so that eventually that person would give their life to jesus you may be the fourth you may be the fifth or you may be the seventh be missional don't give up and thirdly be prayerful and when i say prayerful i i include the bible and i want to close by this you know every day uh, stand here sorry every day just opening your bible and reading it systematically is the best thing you could do for yourself and praying just opening your bible reading it sometimes you don't you don't feel you have received much but read it just read it if i would say it in a slang just read it man <laughs> just read it and pray you don't feel like praying you don't feel anything when you're praying just pray man just pray and you don't know that the holy spirit is working in you little by little by little every day you pray for mom you pray for dad you pray for your spouse you pray for your children 
they don't grow overnight but it'll happen those prayers are accumulating in a bowl in heaven it'll happen draw me close to you never let me go i lay it all down again to hear you say that i'm your friend you are my desire and no one else will do cuz nothing else could take the place to feel the warmth of your embrace and help me find the way bring me back to you you're all i want you're all i've ever needed you're all i want help me know you Draw me close to you. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again. To hear you say that I'm your friend. and you are my desire and no one else will do cuz nothing else could take the place to feel the warmth of your embrace help me find the way lord bring me back to you lord i pray you're all i want everything to me you're all i've ever needed you're all i You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know I am
Lord, I pray for all of us right now, my brothers and sisters, myself, even our children who are right now in their classrooms, teens, our children. I pray for those who are joined us online. Lord, I pray, Lord, in your tender mercies that you would draw us close to you. For those among us who have who, who know that they've gone away, I pray that you would tenderly draw them back. You're the good shepherd who goes after the one who's lost and tenderly brings him back, carrying him in your arms. Lord, I pray for us as a church what we've heard this morning. I pray for all of us that we will be faithful to you. And we can be that and do that because you are faithful to us. You are first and greatest faithful to us, Lord. Even when we've been faithless, even when we've been unfaithful, when we've gone astray, you've always been faithful and brought us back. I pray that this would not continue, that we would not be inconsistent, but we would be faithful and stable and consistent. Growing in you in every way, growing into all good things in Jesus. I pray help us to pursue what's on your heart. Pursue, Lord, your mandate. Lord, the apostle Paul wrote, everyone seeks that which is their own. No one seeks that which is Christ. But I pray for us this morning that we would seek that which is yours. Your love for people, your love for those who don't know you, for those who are in darkness, for those who are broken and hurting. I pray that you would set us free from the futility of self-centeredness, self-indulging things, selfish ambition. Deliver us from that, Lord, by your grace and truth. Help us to see the futility of it. But Lord, that we would invite your Lordship in every area of our life, in everything we do, that we would seek to see you glorified, seek to see you lifted high, seek to see your plans being fulfilled and in our family, in our relationships, even in our workplace, that we, we would be able to see you do amazing things in our workplace, that your kingdom would come in our workplace, even in the way we work, even in the way we relate to people. I pray, God, that you'd help us to be a prayerful people. Help us to be growing stable and stronger in spiritual disciplines, in, in our prayer life, in our reading and studying of your word, that we would not be careless about it. That we would be, Lord, committed to you. So help us, Lord, this morning as we lift our hands to you. We lift our hearts to you this morning. Can we just do that one more time before we close the service? And for yourself and on behalf of you and your family, lift your hands and say, God, I'm praying this on behalf of my family. I pray this on behalf of my spouse. Maybe it was not yet said. I pray this on behalf of my children, Lord, that we would be faithful to you, that we would be prayerful, that we would be missional. I don't want to have an undivided heart. I don't want to have a divided heart. I want to have an undivided heart. Committed to you. Surrendered to you. Thank you, Lord.
Can we just lift our voices before we close and just bless the name of the Lord? Come on, let's do that together. Just lift your voice and bless His name and just magnify Him. We're just in your own words. Just exalt Him. Don't feel shy. Just lift your voice. Thank you, God. We bless you. Merciful God. Holy God. Worthy are you, Lord. We exalt you over our lives. We exalt you over our families. We exalt you over your church. You are worthy, O oh God. There is no one like you, God. All honor, all glory belongs to you, Lord. We thank you. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise.